It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined right now by writer at The Atlantic and Vogue magazine and the host of The Daily Beast, the new Abnormal podcast, Molly John Fast. Thank you so much for joining us. We were talking in the first hour both about um, the Republican Party's response to Russia uh, and their aggression against Ukraine and the crisis that's unfolding, and also how the trucker protest that is coming down from Canada has basically been co-opted and is now just a a pro-insurrection protest at this point. how are you feeling about the current state of the Republican Party, given those two <laughs> examples? I mean, the truckers, by the way, now they've said that they're protesting the jailing of the January 6th insurgents. Yep. Critical race theory, which I, I feel like nothing, there has never been a better GOP talking point than critical race theory, because no, none of their people know what it means. Right. right. They just know they don't want they don't want any anything that might possibly mess up, you know, the advantages that have been given to them for being white, you know. And right. so there's just a lot of anxiety about that. So now they're protesting that. So, I mean, you know, it's incre- I mean, it's incredible. And then you have Candace Owens saying that it's a huge mistake for um you know, to sanction Vladimir Putin instead, we should be invading Canada. Yeah, because yeah. you know, when I when I need expert foreign policy analysis and advice, <laughs> I look to Candace Owens. I mean, <laughs> well, I rarely ever Trump... even mention her or acknowledge <laughs> that she exists or that if anything she says. But like, honest, but that's what I'm saying is like, I don't seriously. She's weighing in. <laughs> she's she weighed I... in. Great. I'm telling, but she and Trump, you know, you're going right. some of these talking points. I mean, the problem with the this cra- the crazy far right is that they have a very tight relationship to the Republican presidential front runner. So right. it's a situation where you have a you absolutely have a you know you have you know we would like to never think about these people again because they're not smart and because they're pretty bad and uh racist and and you know a lot of other things but we can't because they have they are what trump is thinking a lot of times right good point i was super interested in your piece in the atlantic about the uh the the canadian protests because you you broke down something that we had been suspecting was the truth which is like this is not a protest of canadian truckers and it is an extreme (laughs) minority so like for those who didn't who didn't read the atlantic piece or are trying to tune this out can can you explain a little bit about like who these people are actually yes so it's interesting you know when i started reading that i thought well, Canada has this incredibly high vaccination rate, like about right. 90%. Well, 88% of Canadians have had a shot. So 
it's very high. And remember, there aren't even there are parts of Canada where there's nobody. So, you know, it, it's a, it's they've done really, really well with the pandemic. And um, one of the reasons is because they don't have Fox News. And one of the reasons is because they have this very kind of say, you know, you may not love the Canadian government and certainly they have a lot of problems, but uh, they've been pretty good about getting people vaccinated. So what ha- so what happened was when I started reading about it, I thought, well, this is odd, right? Ottawa is being taken over by truck- truckers who are against a vaccine mandate. Like, doesn't make a lot of sense because even, <laughs> and, and you had Trudeau right off the bat saying 90% of all of our truckers are vaccinated. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But what, what happened, which is there is a very, very kind of similar uh, far right uh, industrial complex like the way we have in the states in Canada, but because of the way their government works and because Canadians are a little saner than we are, they haven't really been able to take the kind, you know, the kind of attention that our far right group has. And so they've been trying and trying, and they've discovered that this was like a sort of great way to go. And remember, there's all sorts of money being, you know, poured into this, like with the January 6th. Uh, rioters there, you know, there's sort of nefarious astroturf and even it, all this comes back to like the Tea Party, these nefarious yeah. astroturf kind of groups that have injected money into whatever this is. And so uh, what happened with Canada was there was sort of, I think there was some organic start to it. And then the sort the dark money stuff came in. Uh, and then you had these and I started to see reporting like from Ben Collins Who's really, who's really great at NBC, who was writing about how a lot of the Facebook groups that were pushing these protests, like the biggest one was in India, right? Okay. It, was a, it, was a, it was a marketing firm in Ottawa, India. Ottawa, India? <laughs> not, not the India in Canada. Uh, okay, just the all right, India all right. just, India, just, making, just making sure, okay. And so you, so you saw, like, there were a lot of the sort of same tropes we had see, seen from January 6th, right? Like, foreign actors and and a lot of noise that wasn't organic internet noise that wasn't organic and uh and then i actually talked to some people i knew who lived in canada including the really really great jeet here who writes for the nation yes i love him. yes he's amazing and he lives in saskatchewan and he said you know we're not canadians you know canadians i mean culturally they're a group that's very into like following the law they're just very kind of in a way just a little bit different culturally than we are and they um they didn't like it like they were not happy and um and he was telling me about these counter protests which i hadn't read about and and i and you know the more people i talked to in canada they were saying we have these counter protests we don't understand why the police aren't just clearing these people out like this is kind of nuts and then you're seeing these pictures and like a lot of these people they don't really look like truckers, you know? Yeah. And so it became clear that, you know, there certainly are some truckers, but there are a lot of people who just are members of the far right trying to get uh, attention. Right. I mean, I don't know that I sort of understood the the push right now for everybody to sort of turn their attention to this protest and what's happening in Russia is, is maybe the same story. Um, (laughs) until you just sort of explained how um, how it 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 sort of metastasized from its origins in Canada I mean it just feels weirdly timed that it would just be getting to Washington DC 
right at the moment (laughs) when everybody is paying attention to the crisis with Vladimir Putin. I'm not saying that that the propaganda and the misinformation around the trucker protests and the insurrection are, are related to what's happening with Vladimir Putin or the fact that Russia is one of the biggest spreaders of that kind of misinformation. I'm just pointing out that those two things are happening at the same time. Yeah. Do you see a connection? Yeah. I mean, again, like what we've seen from Russia is a lot of sort of nefarious meddling, right? Like I, I'll, I'll remind you of the 2016 election, right? Yeah, we no, definitely... I mean, I remember. Yeah. We, we were there. Yeah, <laughs> you remember about this, this woman candidate? She was I really remember. qualified. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So, I mean, I think clearly there's some connection there's certainly some, you know, Vladimir Putin, and again, I don't want to be Donald Trump here and compliment him, but like, they're good at doing internet's, you know, damage, and whatever, whatever that looks like. So certainly that is possible, you know, and I mean, the and the far right, you're seeing a lot of messaging that I mean, last night, Tucker Carlson was like, what, who's to say Vladimir Putin is our enemy, right? So like, clearly, Now, whether or not this is organically grown out of Tucker Carlson's love for Vladimir Putin, who knows? But it's certainly uh, it's certainly not how you would expect it to be. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? No, I know. I mean, it certainly does. I guess I guess the the question is uh, the question is, how do we balance what a small unhinged minority they are with how much control they have given these external forces like the right. you know it's not it's not even it's not like india isn't controlling the protests that like that's where they're running the sites that are yes disseminating most of the disinformation to the protesters but like these are large well-funded yes. organizations like or organized attacks like the, that yeah. and so how do we square that in terms of a meaningful response with how few quote unquote real people are actually you know adherence to those beliefs i mean i think the most important thing is to figure out who is funding these astroturf protests and yeah and you know what is behind this and you know sort of like for example what happened with the tea party was there was a certain kind of uh i think there were people were like not as cynical as they should have been approaching these protests. Yeah. Right. They were sort of like, this is a natural outgrowing of people who are mad. Right. But really it was, you know, some amount of foreign inform- interference and, and sort of nefarious money and things to ma- make it look like it was more than it was. So I feel like the first thing is to be really clear eyed about what's going on and to say like, you know, this isn't, I mean, in Canada, like you would see these, alt-right people saying like it's you know eighty thousand people it's this it's that you know it would be and the numbers would be you know you know a a hundredth of that and so i feel like it's really um important just to be clear-eyed to report what you see on the ground and to sort of you know put together the information that's out there which there's a lot and there's and i think we've gotten much more sophisticated about the way that, I mean, these people, I don't do this kind of like internet, you know, where I sort of have all the algorithms and everything, but there's much more of that kind of reporting out there to draw on. So mm-hmm. there is, we know a lot more and things that look real don't, um, you know, we can sort of see what's really real and what's not real. 
Um, and, you know, look, there is a school of thought that if people if, if the FBI had been more on it and listening to these people, these Internet reporters, people like Ben Collins, uh, January 6th could have been prevented. Right. Because they would have, you know, seen all these people being like, we're going to the you know, Capitol to storm it and gas the, the Congress people. Do you think that the media, like in the same way that we're seeing better reporting on like the astroturfing question, the where is this all coming from? I mean, I I lived through the Tea Party as an adult, so I remember the utter credulity with which we accepted that this was about economic anxiety and not the election (laughs) of the first black president. (laughs) Old enough to remember. So, so now we're seeing a little. We were in a, a post-racial past. America. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're totally, I got it. I completely <laughs> forgot about that. It was, it was so post-racial. Um, now that we're a little better, we're not. We're not sort of approaching this with the like, oh, these must all be unvaccinated truckers who object to this law, like they say. We're <laughs> we're, we're digging and asking questions. Zerlina and I sort of started the show by by talking about how different the response has been to Russia than it was in 2016. Um, because I mean, I, I remember <laughs> trying to say the fact that Russians have, have, have hacked us is a big problem. And they're like, look, what's in the emails though. And that was <laughs> in the hacked now- emails, <laughs> you realize you're reading a, a stolen email, but look, yes. but, yeah, look. but look, what, look what you had in your personal. Look what Nira Tandon like, said. Right. <laughs> Risotto recipes. I mean, my God, like. So, but now, like in the last couple of days, we have seen really strong language saying Russia is lying. Yeah. Like, these are these are not peacekeeping troops. This is an invasion. They are lying. Do you feel like the media has learned enough of a lesson? Like, are you are you similarly hopeful that the same way they're going after the the actual information about the protests that we will see a sort of more honest reckoning on Russia's actions? So I would say I think it's complicated. Like, I think there's more better reporting. And we know now the nefarious foreign actors and what they can do, right? Because we've seen that. I'm hesitant to say that it's better because I still think there is a sort of inside the beltway bias towards underreporting or not even underreporting, but underemphasizing the craziness in a way Mm. to not look silly. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you have people who are, and and I mean this not as sort of an earnest criticism and not as a snarky comment, but there are, you know, the system of being a journalist does not reward, um, it rewards sort of underreacting as opposed to overreacting. And Mm -hmm. so, even so i feel like there's a certain kind of like pundit class that will still rather you know sort of say sort of take a mitch mcconnell at his word you know or i mean you know for example a a narrative that i'm actually writing about this for my newsletter this week but um you know there's been a narrative this whole time that democrats have moved too far left right that's the narrative democrats have moved too far left because republicans have gone insane but if you look at democratic lawmaking, you don't see any left-leaning, lo- no, any crazy, no. right? There's it's all defense. Right. It's the all Build defense. Back Better agenda was moderate. Like, that's right. not a progressive wish list. Right. right. And right. so, like, you can't point to actual, like, 
Republicans are overturning Roe and banning books and targeting trans kids, but Democrats aren't pushing some rat. You know, they're not saying everyone has to. You know, I mean, we're there's not none taking of that. your guns. We're not right. Right. I mean, so so like, but that narrative is really entrenched, right? Democrats have gone too far left. But what when you ask people what that means, they'll say, well, people don't like the word Latinx, Latinx, Latinx. Okay, I mean. I mean, I don't know how that what that has to do with lawmaking or, you know what I mean? Like if you say Republicans have go, gone too far left. You could point to like, you know, I, they're coming, you know, in some states, you know, there's the don't say gay law in Florida. Yeah. Right? right. I mean, like, I just think there's a, you know, a lot of modern media like lends, you know, le, you know, sort you see people sort of wanting to make false equivalencies and and, and it's not true. So I, so I, I think I'm cautiously optimistic, but there's certainly still a lot of people who take Mitch McConnell at his word and give him the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Or think that he's like some sort of, you know, not human figure that is like, has some sort of superpowers. Like he's always playing, right. he's always playing, you know, seventh dimensional chess that we can't <laughs> so you know smart. we can't figure it out like i can figure it out we are, you know like I, I see the matrix like i you know what i mean like it is visible yeah. to me i understand what's happening um it's not that hard to figure out it is not rocket science in fact it is not like i i mean one of the things about sort of being in in politics and in this particular field a lot of times people are will be like, oh, you know, like you, you, you're so like into this stuff and you, you get it and oh, it's you, you're smart. And I'm like, I'm really not that smart. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not. I, 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 but honestly, it's just like I'm I have eyes. I'm watching. Right. Right. And I'm listening to the words being spoken. It's why I never took Donald Trump seriously, because I was listening to the words coming out of his mouth. And I was like, they don't make any sense. Yeah. 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 I didn't have a question. Think- that was just like a rant in response <laughs> to the fact that like Mitch McConnell is not some sort of like superhero out here. He's not the political Avenger. He's just a very cynical actor that is power hungry. And yeah. you know, how, how are all these Congress people millionaires? You know, right, they, right. this is, it's not rocket science. Yeah. Well, and I also think uh, the, the pe- there's a lot of, uh, pundits who like desperately want this narrative that Mitch McConnell has had enough. And, you know, you'll see this pop up again and again. He's had enough of Trump. You know, no, sorry. Like, oh, he has not. Six years. Like, yeah. he's never going to have, he's never going to have a come to Jesus moment about Trump. He's just going to decide one day that Trump can't get his Republicans elected and turn on him. Do you think that's because, like, there are a ton of people in the media who were truly invested in the idea that we had two parties that had differing ideologies that were trying to govern? Like, it feels like I have been trying, like, we, lots of people, have been trying to say since the Tea Party, really, maybe before even, but we didn't have the internet to say it on, so we didn't say it as loud. that we don't have two governing parties. Like we have one governing party and one wild obstructionist party that will do whatever it needs to do to retain control, um, re- regardless of how alarmingly violent that becomes. Like, uh, is it just that people were really, really invested in the idea that like 
we were Republicans and Democrats in red and blue, and that was a, like a, a fun sports game to watch. <laughs> and that's why they're waiting for McConnell to break with Trump, because they're like, then we can get back to the red versus blue team thing. Yeah, I mean, I think that's some of it. I also think like a lot of times in the Beltway, you know these people and they seem okay, right? You don't agree yeah. with them, but they seem okay. So it's hard to imagine that they're going to do things like overturn the, I mean, you know, overturn the election, right? Like a lot of people are friends with some of these, I mean, you know, not some of these Trump people are friend. you know, are sort of more mainstream. And I think it's hard, you know, there's sort of a feeling like people want to kind of, um, you know, assume the best and, uh, and that makes them, um, you know, a little bit naive. Yeah. Yeah, I think we, we're having a crisis of naivety in this country. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that I think about a lot is like, what is it going to take, right? What is yeah. it going to take for everybody to sort of see the matrix like, the way that we do or snap out of it? You know, because I think that like there. Doesn't the it reason... feel like beating police officers with the American flag might have been that thing? Like, if we were going to sit here <laughs> I know, and, like, but brainstorm now... what well, is no. the moment. That would I don't be know. No, I think we passed the moment. I think that people made a choice. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, when a million people died of COVID-19. Right. And you're out here protesting mandates to keep people safe so that more, more people don't die of COVID-19. You're making, you're, you've made a choice at that point. They, now you're on the other side. I'm on the side right. of like democracy and human human life, protecting human life. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. not. You're on the other one, and and that's fine. Go stand over there though. <laughs> Six I mean, feet I would, back at least. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing we're not we're not sort of factoring in enough is how much. Uh, how much disinformation is really permeating like you have people who are getting all their news from facebook right you have a lot of people right who are getting all their news from facebook who so you know what's coming up on their quote unquote no longer news feed just feed is um you know stuff you know is maga one two three news is things that are really not you know that are telling you that at our southern border there are you know, there's a war going on. I mean, you have people in this country who are like on another planet. And I'm not sure how you re how you sort of reconcile that. Right. No, I'm genuinely not sure. Like I am not, this is like the first time that I, I do not have an idea of how we move forward. Like I have felt badly about the direction our country was heading before. And I've been like, okay, with this leadership and this policy prescription and like this level of an engaged electorate, we're gonna be fine. This is the first time that I'm like, I don't know what the formula is for, I mean, I know it's continued good leadership. I know it's right. an agenda that addresses childcare. I know it's, I know the things that we want, but I don't know how we fix this. Right. I genuinely do not know how we move forward when we have Fox News and now all of its hideous little cancerous offshoots that we'll, we'll, never, we'll never get rid of. Like, do you, how how dangerous do you see the pieces of the right wing ecosphere that we don't talk about like the the, right. the, the new truth twitter that trump is trying yeah. to set up or right. like like how are those things real or is it really fox news 
I mean, I would say like, I think the number, so Fox is, you know, a, a lot of people, right? 8 million people, 4 million people. I mean, it depends on how you look at it, but you know, Tucker gets like 4 million people. It's a lot, but cable news again is not, you know, you have to have a TV to watch it. So I would say, right. I think Facebook is scarier. Like I think Facebook has a lot of people on it. If, you know, if Facebook would just say like, we're only going to get news from the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and, you know, a couple of other trusted, you know, the bulwark. I mean, they can have GOP style platforms. They just need to be, you know, the Wall Street Journal, but just the reporting, not the <laughs> opinion page. I mean, they could have uh, conservative outlets that aren't, um, that aren't, crazy you know the dispatch you know places where they're more fact-based and less insanity based um i think facebook is a big problem because these people are really thinking that they're reading the news and there's no disclaimers and it's going to a lot of older people and so i i really think that that is is probably the biggest problem um true social is not a problem yet but again eventually trump is going to be able to figure out how to get online though it seems like it's taking a very <laughs> long time i have been watching this <laughs> one like p- politico playbooker his right. travails of trying to log in to truesocial.com <laughs> it is genuinely the most enjoyment that i have gotten out of politico in a very long time every morning i'm like oh he's still not on oh he's got a new <laughs> why is it so hard like there's got to be so some funny. you know some some right winger in estonia who knows how to do this who can set it up for freaking donald trump right i mean what's amazing beta. right and what you see though is you see the trump the, these are not you know they're not sending their best you know, they're not sending people. their best. Yeah. White nationalists in general, you are not sending yeah. your best. I mean, apropos of nothing, we're, we're watching the news yesterday and the uh, Ahmad Arbery verdict comes up and my mom is like, this is so not the point, but these are three very unattractive men. <laughs> they're thinking white nationalism, it doesn't send its best. Like that, no. is, that is the the thought in my brain most of the day. Um, but it's it's the fact that those men have internalized a message that they are superior. I know. That's the problem. Right? Those men. Yeah. They wake up, look in the mirror every day and go, yep, I am superior (laughs) to all other types of people. (laughs) (laughs) Really, bro? (laughs) I don't know. I, yeah, it would, it it must be, it must be fun to be a guy for a day, I guess. Um, Molly Jong Fast, I wish we didn't have so much to talk to you about because it's all horrible, but um, I'm very glad to have your writing and your thoughts to help us break it down and get through it. And I uh, fear we're going to need a lot more of that in the upcoming weeks. So please join us again. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you as always. We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. 